Um, it is great to be with you to share this time of fellowship, but also to enjoy the presence of God. Would you just let me pray before we get into the Word? Father, we, we honour you more than anyone else in this place. We want you to get the praise, the honour and the glory. Holy Spirit, I pray you will help this Word, that it will just flow to each and every one of us that we will grab a hold of what you're saying to the church at this moment of time. And Lord, we will flow with the things the Spirit is just pouring out in abundance, that our lives will be changed individually and corporately. We will become a force to be reckoned with in society. And Lord, instead of culture affecting us, we will affect culture. And culture will be radically changed by the power of the good news of Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way right now. We want Jesus to be uplifted. We ask it in his name. Amen. Now you will have to forgive me if I get emotional. This, what I'm sharing with you, is kind of the end of a a season of sabbatical that we've just come out of and God has been sharing stuff with us and I'm going to share some of it with you today. If you have an app or you have a Bible, I'm going to be turning to the Song of Solomon. The Songs of Solomon. Now I need to say before I say anything else from that phrase, that I see the Song of Solomon as an allegory. It's um, figurative imagination. It's the language of love. And it's the bride talking to the bridegroom. It's the wife talking to her husband. And it's the language of love. It's the language of intimacy that ultimately should resonate within us because as the church of Jesus Christ, we are the bride of Christ. And the language that speaks here speaks to us as those who are beloved of God, and we love Him. So in the opening chapter of the Song song of Solomon, chapter 1 and verse 4. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 4. Draw me after you, and let us run together. Draw me after you, and let us run together. For the king has brought me into his chamber. Draw me after you and let us run together. For the king has brought me into his chamber. This is a chorus. This is a stanza. This is a verse that I believe should resonate within each and every one of us. That it should become the heart cry of every Christ follower. And it is phenomenal what God is doing in His church today. And I think in what I'm sharing, it's kind of the essence of what the Spirit is saying to the church of Jesus Christ. And there should be that resonating, that should be the sense of the melody of the words that are just beating in our hearts. And what the writer is saying here is what we want to say. And it is a cappello. But I do believe as we sing this song, heaven accompanies us. Because heaven resonates also with the desire of what is being said here. Draw me after you. Draw me. 
There is something very individual here. Draw me. Now don't get me wrong, I love community. I believe in the New Testament teaching of community. I believe that we have a, a, a vital moment in history right now because the world is crying out for community and we have the answer and we can reflect what true community is. And so the world is almost open to us maybe as never before. I believe in community. I also believe in the congregation. The need to gather together as God's people. Do not neglect the assembling together of yourselves. Congregation, the corporate gathering, is vital. But we can hide in a crowd. We can become kind of not ourselves. We can pretend. We can become somewhat unreal. We can become anonymous in the crowd. But what the words say, draw me. It's like that desire that says, I need some me time with God. I need some me time with God. We have four children, seven grandchildren. And when we were doing a lot of traveling, when our children were at home, we would treat each of our children by taking them away with us on a trip. And one weekend, it was Hannah, our second child's turn, to go with us. We were traveling to Wales. And so we said, Hannah, it is your treat. You are coming with us, and you are going to spend the weekend with mum and dad. She didn't look that thrilled. (laughs) And in fact, it showed on her face she wasn't at all pleased. We stopped at Little Chef. Now, you have to understand, in those days, we didn't have much money, and to stop at a Little Chef was a treat. Some of you think, what is a Little Chef? Well, there are still a few around. So we stopped at a Little Chef and said to Hannah, you can have whatever you want, Hannah, because that's not what happened with four children. And you say, well, you can just have that bit of the menu, or we'll share, or whatever. But Hannah didn't look happy. In fact, she looked really miserable. So we said, Hannah, we brought you away. You can eat whatever you like. What's the matter? She said, what have I done to deserve this? (laughs) In those kind of words. What did I get wrong? And she saw it as a punishment. No, this isn't punishment. This is supposed to be me, me time. It's us with you. You get us to yourself. She wasn't that thrilled. She had ultimately a great weekend. We stayed with a couple who had children who were a similar age to her, and she had a great time. She had the wrong understanding. And sometimes we can become a little legalistic about this prayer, this Bible reading, and this having intimacy with God. But when he says, draw me, I believe he's talking, she is talking here, God is talking to us about spiritual intimacy. That individuality, God, I need time with you. It's great to have fellowship with others, but I need some me time with you, Lord, just you and me, in that inner sanctum, in that sanctuary, in that that quiet place, just you and me. Draw me unto you. I believe also that what is going on here is not just that it's individual, It is intentional. God is getting our attention 
Because he wants some me time with us. He wants some me time with us. God is a jealous God and he wants some time with us. He wants us that we lay aside some of the things that are taking up our time and taking up our resources so we find that slot within our schedule where it's just me and God. It's being intentional in this whole sense. There is a, a holy dissatisfaction. There is a, 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 a holy desperation that says like the psalmist, my soul longs. Yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. It's saying, I want you to draw me. It's um, a Hebrew word that elsewhere is translated drag. I want you to drag me. Now that can have a negative connotation, but what he's saying is God. I want to have such a holy desperation, a holy dissatisfaction, a depth of desire. I want something deep within me that says, Lord, get a hold of my schedule. Get a hold of my human nature. Get a hold of me so you drag me away from the telly. So you drag me away from that stuff that I'm doing that really I don't need to be doing. So draw me, drag me in that. It says in the uh, the scriptures, it says, your loving kindness draws me. And that's what you want. You want the grace of God, the love of God. So you are intentional. Jeremiah 3, 31, 3, it says, I have drawn you with loving kindness. Spiritual intimacy. It's very individual. It's me time with God. It's being drawn into His presence. It's being intentional. But I think this is a heart cry, not only of the individual. It's not only a heart cry of being intentional, but it's a heart cry for intimacy. I love it. It says, draw me, draw me, draw me. The King has brought me into His chamber. Some translators believe that maybe the imagery here is of an Arabian tent whereby you have the compartments. The outer compartment is where all the commerce, all the conversation, all the everyday stuff went on in the outer uh, compartment. But then back into the, the kind of inner part of the tent is where the, the, the intimacy takes place. It's where the bedroom is. It's where this draw me, the king is bringing me into his chamber. And that is what the Spirit, I believe, is doing with the church today. He's saying, yes, there are times of commerce, there are times of business, there are things we have to do, but there has to be that depth of desire to say, God, I want to come into the intimacy. I want to come into the inner chamber. I want to come into the king's chamber and spend time just with you and me. I want to come to that place where I can be, as it were, naked before you. I can be vulnerable. I can be honest. Someone said the real you is who you are on your own. And that's just how God wants us. He wants some me time. I have a, you may not be able to see it because of the sunlight. Some of you will understand the whole tent in the wilderness called the Tabernacle of Moses. If you know anything about this tent, God said to the children of Israel as he brought them out of Egypt into the promised land, he said, you live in tents, I'll live in a tent. I'll come and dwell amongst you. I'll tabernacle amongst you in a tent. And so they create this tent with curtains around it. And there is the outer court. Then you have an, a tent that has two departments. It's the holy 
of holies. Um, it is the holy place and then the holy of holies. Most people would come into the outer court and they would come to this big altar called the brazen altar where sacrifices were offered unto God to, uh, to bring forgiveness for their sins. Behind the brazen altar was this, this kind of big bowl called the laver. It's where the priest washed. And then the priest would go into the holy place where there would be this uh, seven-armed candlestick bringing light and there would be a table with bread called a table of showbread and then an altar of incense and then a veil. Once a year, a priest got to go through the veil into the very glory of God to experience the, the heavy weight of glory. That's why when sometimes God comes upon us, you can't stand. Because it is the heavy weight of God's presence. His person, His presence. And once a year, a priest would go in. I would like to suggest to you that God has progressively revealed to the church of Jesus Christ over the centuries and brought us to where we're at today. The Reformation brought us to the altar. We understood all this theologically for years, centuries. But maybe Luther brought us an understanding of what the altar and justification by faith was all about. Maybe it brought Charles Wesley and Finney along in order that we understood holiness and what the, how we should be cleansed by the labor of the Word. The whole priesthood of all believers was revealed to the church as the progressive revelation of God came. And then the church moved into the holy place. In my lifetime, I remember the influence of koinonia, the fellowship, the table of showbread being revealed to the church. And we have seen the progressive revelation and the illumination of God's Word and prayer emerging. Right now, I believe with all of my heart, God is pushing, calling, drawing, and for some of us, maybe dragging us into the Holy of Holies. Because God wants us to dwell in His presence. He wants us to live in the sense of His glory, the heavy weight of glory, that when we come out of that me time, our faces shine. And that could be literally. We might brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. That's not a fading glory like Moses, but it is an ever-increasing glory. That you walk into a room and people suddenly say, I don't feel right. What's wrong? Let me share with you about Jesus. Maybe it is you walk into various places and suddenly you feel an impression on your heart. I need to go to that person and pray with them. What is it? It's walking in the manifest presence of God. His glory. We humans are body, soul, and spirit. And whilst I enjoy the presence of God that affects me physically, and whilst I worship God with my, my hands, my feet, and my voice, and I become a living sacrifice that is that physical realm. I appreciate when the presence of God anoints my mind to understand because I'm thick. And it takes a while for God to get through to me. But it's that spirit realm. His spirit bearing witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. We talk about spirituality. That's what spirituality is. 
It's doing the right thing at the right time in the right way. It's that interaction with the Holy Spirit, with my spirit, to cause me to say the right thing at the right time in the right way. God is bringing us. Draw me, Lord. Draw me. If necessary, drag me. Lord, when I'm seated doing stuff that I don't really need to do it, God, impress on my heart. Son, daughter, could we have some me time? We need to chat over a few things. That when we open the Scriptures, it suddenly illuminate, we're illuminated by what God is saying. There is no sense of legalism. It's just the loving kindness of God. Draw me after you is all to do with spiritual intimacy. Draw me after you that we can run together. Spiritual intimacy is the prerequisite to supernatural activity. I'll say that again. Spiritual intimacy is the prerequisite to supernatural activity. Let us run together. Again, I don't know whether you'll see it, but the um, Paralympics. You ever watch these blind runners? They're tethered to someone else who is a a seeing runner. And they tell me they have to learn to, to have the exact same pace. They need to be of an equal height, on shoulder height. And they have to go pace by spare, you know, just being in tune with each other. I call this the Paracletos principle. It's what it says in Philippians, fellowship with the Spirit. I want to run with Him by the Spirit so I know at what pace I should go. And when I'm going too fast, I sense the Spirit say, whoa, that's a little bit fast. Let's slow up here. Generally, it's the other way around. The Spirit wants to go faster than often I'm willing. But Paul, when he writes, and you, he talks about the fellowshipping of the Spirit. Uh, you know the, the term fellowship, koinonia. In classical Greek, it has levels. The basic level of koinonia is what we translate as fellowship, is friendship. In classical Greek, you would have a friendship with someone. That would be the very first step on the ladder, as it were, or the basic level of of koinonia. The next level is partnership. James and John were in the business of fishing. The words used there is koinonia. They were in partnership. It's one thing being a friend of someone. You know, I can say, Rob's my friend. And then Rob calls me tomorrow and says, could we go into business together? That's a whole new ball game. Especially if you're saying, well, you'll have to put up this amount of money and, you know, it'll mean this. That is a whole new level. But we're in a work together. And I believe the Spirit of God not only wants to befriend us, He wants us to work with Him. But the ultimate, ultimate level of koinonia in, in classical Greek was not friendship, it wasn't partnership, it was marriage. When you married someone, you entered into the koinonia of life. It was a covenant commitment that together we are going to live our lives together for richer, for poorer, 
in goodness, in health and in non-health, in sickness and in health. So tell how long ago it was when I said these words. (laughs) Forty odd years. But it's that marriage of life. I don't know where you're at, but I tell you what I'm feeling. God, I want to enter into a marriage of the things of the Spirit. I want to know your whispers. I want to hear your shouts. But I want to know what you're you're doing. I want to co-work with you. Don't want to do things and ask you to come and bless what I've just done. I want to see what you're blessing and I want to get involved in that. I want to see where you're walking and I want to walk with you. I want to see where you're running and I want to run with you. I want to know the heart of God. The Bible says the Spirit searches the deep things of heart of God and reveals to us those things with spiritual thoughts and spiritual words. I want that revelation of the Spirit whereby I walk with Him day by day. Spiritual intimacy. It leads to supernatural authority. And that's where we're at. Draw me after you. Let's run together. The king has brought me into his chamber. I'm going to close this by giving you three pictures. And these pictures got impressed on me. Um, And they're all to do with this word, this Hebrew word, draw. The Hebrew word draw that is translated here in Songs of Solomon is used negatively and positively, and I want to use it in a positive sense. So we can go to that first picture. It means to draw seed. To draw seed. And I want to say to you, church, I get this picture of Joseph who gathered so much seed that people came to him. You and said, you have what we need. The day is coming, you need to weigh this, when people are going to come to you and say, what we need, you have. What we need, you have. And I believe there's a whole prophetic realm that those who put some in the pit will come unknowingly and ask of what you've got. There is a day coming when so much of what you have, you will give to others. You will get, but you will give. You will get and you will give. Because God can trust this storehouse. The second picture is drawing the bow. I am so glad I'm here today. What you have experienced today is a prophetic picture that you have to get used to. You will love it and you will hate it. Arrows are typical of people whose character is so straight like the shaft of an arrow. And I'm got time to go into the whole process in which an ancient arrow would be straightened. It is so crucial, but a character that is straight, but the arrowhead is a two-edged sword type. It has a cutting edge. The flights are made from feathers from a bird and taking the ability of another and applying it to an arrow. That is what God is making us. People whose characters are straight, whose calling is clear, but have the ability of the Spirit uh, placed within us that we can hit the goal for which God has sent us. God is raising up arrows and this will be a quiver full of arrows. But the arrows will be sent and you will pray over more people than what you pray for today. 
And it will get you on the inside humanly. Why do we lose people, Lord? You're not losing them. You're sending them. You're sending them. And I really believe there's a prophetic element of your going. Your being sent is a statement to all of us. God will raise up arrows that he will send to various parts of the world. Your going is is taking what is happening here to another nation. My final picture is this one. It means to draw a breath. And when I was studying this, it actually said to blow the trumpet of Jubilee. (laughs) I said, that'll fit. (laughs) That'll preach. Where are you going? Jubilee Church. God, help us to draw the breath of the Spirit that we can make a clear sound. And the sound, the drawing of breath, it's linked to the breaking down of the walls of Jericho, but it's also the sound of Jubilee, and you know what that all means. But my prayer is for this church, you will get and you will give, because you will be the sower of seeds. You will draw as a bow and let the arrows fly straight and go into nations. I saw it like the picture of you, you fly an airline. If you fly a particular airline, you find where their hub is and they do a map and all these lines go out of the, you remember, you've seen that? You fly, um, um, island airline, you know, not the uh, Iceland, yes. You see, everything goes out of Iceland. Everything will kind of go out of Solihull. You know, it's kind of those lines going out as the arrows are sent. And then finally, that God will enable this church to draw breath. Say, God, let the sound of Jubilee, the liberation, be heralded throughout the city, the nation, and the nations. Draw me, Lord. I so want supernatural activity. For years I've said, God, miracles, miracles, miracles. But I believe the spiritual intimacy is the prelude to supernatural activity. We need me time with God. Amen.